All right. Welcome back to Hobby Time. Thanks for listening. I'm Keith. You can find me at DirkNashTea underscore pod on Instagram. And this is one of my favorite episodes to do. I get to spend a lot of time looking at data and doing player comparisons and stuff like that, which I, I really enjoy doing. It's, it's half of the fun for me as it relates to cards and stuff. In every case, I'm looking at a current year rookie compared to rookie season stats of other players. So hopefully that, that helps kind of clear some of this up. And like I said, I really enjoyed putting this together. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much. All right. So a few weeks ago, I reviewed the 2022-23 rookie guards and compared their rookie season stats to other historical NBA players, including like all NBA type guys, as well as some some draft busts and sort of everything in between. Today, I want to do the same thing for wings and forwards and bigs. And I'll talk a lot about how and what I'm using to, to get this data. But in, in general, I'm only reviewing players with what I considered to be enough minutes. It's not scientific. Like, I don't have a hard and fast rule, but for instance, like Ushman Jang as the 11th pick playing only 569 minutes is the fewest I considered. Anyone below that, I didn't look at. And most of the players that we're talking about had, you know, 800 to 1,000 or more minutes played this year. I'll probably say it three or four more times, but defense especially is like a difficult thing to measure statistically, especially in this context, comparing era to era and, you know, players to players. All of this is quantitative analysis. So like, I'm not really trying to say this is a, a smart player. He's always in the right spot, right? I'm not a scout. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just looking for, can the data help us explain like how do they play and what are their outcomes or what were their outcomes as rookies and how does that compare to others? So, so finally, the whole reason I wanted to see, to do this is to see if there are any, you know, rookies for whom I might be interested in their cards. So let's talk about that. Now that Prism is out and most of the major, you know, intermediate to lower level releases are out, I wanted to look at the prices of these players. At the at the end, I'll wrap it up with some card stuff. But um, to start, I looked at Panini Prism Silver and Contenders Rookie t- Ticket Autos. Not variations, not playoff contenders, not serial numbered autos, not no other parallels, just the standard base vertical rookie t- ticket auto. Ideally, I'm looking for, you know, four to five recent comps. And in most cases, I was able to get it. So I was able to put a decent table together with kind of comparing prices across all 2022 rookies. I want to share some of their current prices just to keep in mind as I start to go through these players. Like Paolo and Chet are by far the highest price players in this class with contenders, rookie ticket autos. Again, these are just the base, right? Not this non-serial, non-parallels at 615 and $475 on average each. You know, if you want a, a Chet Holmgren, you know, rookie ticket auto, it's going to cost you almost 500 bucks. 600 for Ballo. Shaden Sharp, Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin, and to some extent, Keegan Murray and Jalen Williams are kind of the next tier with uh, rookie ticket autos between 130 and $180 or so. So that's about a qu- one quarter to one third of Palo's prices. So it only takes getting to player number three to get down to a third of the cost of Palo Banqueros. Jaden Hardy, I talked about him. Uh, it's about 15% of Palo, sort of the next the next level. And then Jabari Smith, Jeremy Soan, Jalen Duran, Walker Kessler. All of these guys are about 10% of Palo's prices or 60 bucks or so. Everyone else, including, let's say, Christian Brown, right? Who's playing meaning, meaningful minutes for the Nuggets in this uh, in this Nuggets and, and Suns series. A.J. Griffin, Ochai Baji. Tari Eason, Malachi Branham, Mark Williams, and the number eight pick, 
uh, Dyson Daniels are all in like the 5% or less of Palo category. Um, meaning you could buy 20 of their, 20 of their cards, you know, to compared to just one of Palo. So like with that in mind, let's get to it. Like all of the card price data I pulled is as of five, eight, uh, May 8th using, you know, one thirty point and oh, where I could, where there were enough, enough values. I tried to look at auctions rather than, than buy it now. So anyway, let's, uh, let's get to it. All right, so to kick off the wings, forwards, and bigs comparison, rookie year comparisons, let's start with the number one overall pick, Paolo Bencaro. In in truth, in total, his closest statistical comp, at least the way I'm looking at it, is probably actually Scotty Barnes. Um, the big difference being that Paolo had the ball in his hands a lot more with a usage rate of 27.6, which is really high for, for a rookie, up near Kevin Durant levels like during his rookie year, whereas Scotty Barnes was only at 19%. In, in fact, in my entire database of wings, forwards, and bigs, it's uh, 127 players so far. Only Joel Embiid, Zion, and KD had higher usage rates. So his usage rate, again, as a rookie, it was extremely high, especially as a forward. And and also, you know, with, with the high... One of the good things about Paolo, though, is with the high usage rate comes a high assist rate. So only, again, in my entire sample of 127 players, only a few players had higher assist rates as rookies um, as well. And that, those were Alperin Shangun, Nikola Jokic, and Blake Griffin. Um, so I, I like to look at assist rates, turnover rates, unassisted twos, and unassisted threes to kind of get an understanding of their creation, right? Either creation for others or creation for self. Um, and of all 127 players, he had the highest rate of off-the-dribble threes. Um, so uh, unassisted three. So that's the percentage of his three pointers made with an assist or without an assist. Um, I think some of this is probably just the game today. Like I saw a JJ Redick uh, podcast video the other day with Jamal Crawford, where, where Jamal Crawford was saying that when he came into the league off the dribble above the break threes were essentially like the worst shots that you could take. Like that's just not the game today. Even still, only 69% of his three-pointers uh, made were assisted. Now, in terms of shooting or scoring and shot location, he's getting his shots almost exactly where Scotty Barnes did his rookie season. I think this is probably the biggest sort of contributing factor. There's a few, actually, that, that makes it very similar. Like, for instance, his assist rate, um, turnover rates, etc., were pretty similar to Scotty's. But the biggest is the shot location. So for each of them, about 25% of their shots came at the rim, another 25 to 30% or so in the upper paint kind of floater area from three to 10 feet, and another 20 to 25% from three. I, to, I think this just kind of speaks to like a well-distributed shot profile, right? They score in different ways. Um, and in terms of shot making, Kevin Durant, while he took way more of his attempts from long two-point range um, in his rookie season, actually made shots at an extremely similar rate. Paolo was a little bit better at the rim, 67% versus 61, but both were about 38% from floater range and 20 to 29% from three. As we know with KD, his three-point percentage uh, greatly improved, right up, up in the mid to upper 30s and even over 40%. Uh, and I don't know if that's what we expect necessarily from Paolo, but you know, if we're using KD as a bar, I, I think it seems seems possible. 
Um, in terms of defense and rebounding, I've said it many times, but you know, defensive stats and stuff are, are pretty difficult to come by, at least in terms of making player comparisons. You'll see guys with big block rates that are just not good defenders. Um, but you know, we're going with what I got to go on. I just don't put too much stock into into the defeats the the defensive stuff. But seven rebounds per thirty six, one point two and one point four percent steal and block rates. None of those are really great for what I would consider a forward, uh, which I distinguish between a center and a wing. Although, you know, I think you could probably also make a case, too, that um, Paolo really played almost more like a wing than he did a forward. If I just break it down a little bit more, right? He scored a lot like Durant in his rookie season. He rebounded and assisted very similar to Scotty Barnes. And he created his own shots like Julius Randle. Like, I actually thought that was pretty interesting. I'd imagine a lot of unassisted twos for guys like Randall or even Giannis, who also had a pretty similar self-creation rate um, as rookies, would be things like, you know, putbacks, et cetera, right? Where there's no one passing them the ball. They're just unassisted two-pointers. Um, but interestingly, with both Julius Randall and Giannis, they took a lot of their shots uh, from threes, or they took a lot of their three-pointers as rookies off the drim- dribble, similar to Paolo. And with Giannis, it was actually interesting. He took, I think, I'm pretty sure his rookie season was his highest three-point attempt rate of his career. So, you know, over time, he just took fewer and fewer. I think we know why. Um, but to, to wrap up on Paolo, pretty solid rookie season, extremely high usage, kind of had a full package offensively in terms of scoring in different ways and from different areas of the court, created his own shot well and distributed well while taking care of the ball at a pretty good rate. His turnover rate was kind of right in the middle of my sample, um, which is pretty strong for a guy with that that high usage and that high of, a, of an assist rate as well. He definitely compared pretty favorably to several solid players like Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton as well, Julius Randle again, uh, and Scotty Barnes. He didn't really fit perfectly in any single player comparison, but I think that's kind of in the in the range where he's at. I don't know where I expect him to go. Like, will he become more of a Durant or a, uh, I don't, I don't really see him being more like a Julius Randle. So I imagine, but again, none, none of those are really perfect comparisons. That's just kind of where I, where I've got them in terms of statistical comparisons. To look at, uh, the next, the next forward drafted, that was Jabari Smith Jr., this was an interesting one for me. Like for a number three pick, getting 30 minutes a game, it was pretty difficult to find perfect comps for him. In terms of just, you know, points, rebounds, assists per 36, you know, he was like 15, eight, and one and a half or so, which are fine. Uh, basically kind of in the middle of the pack, like f- across the board. And we're pretty similar to guys like, Again, just looking at points, rebounds, and assists per 36, pretty similar to guys like Obi Toppin, Tobias Harris, Trey Lyles, Marquise Chris. Like, I don't think that really gives us much to look at. It doesn't tell us that much. So the next thing I wanted to look at was how he gets his shots. Jabari, despite being considered a four or even maybe even a small ball five, like rarely gets shots from the paint. Only 15% of his field goal attempts came at the rim. So that's within three feet. That's 124th out of 127 players in my sample. Um, Beyond that, only 17% of his attempts were from floater range. And a full 47% of his attempts came from beyond the arc. Uh, So guys with other guys with similar shot location um, profiles are guys like Justin Jackson. Not great. 
uh, Zaire Williams, like not a whole lot to go on there, but also guys like Desmond Bain, DeAndre Hunter, and Kyle Kuzma. Bain is obviously, I think, the best of those. Uh, Kuzma, you know, has kind of been sort of up and down. DeAndre Hunter, I think, uh, personally, I'm, I've never been a big fan of his. So, like, but it's not not great. Like, he certainly doesn't have like the body like a Desmond Bain. I don't know if he'll continue to um, to score from from out there quite like that. And he certainly didn't make shots at the same rates that Desmond Bain did. So uh, before we get into shot making though, let's look at creation. So kind of in the middle of usage rate, pretty low turnover rates, pretty low assist rate. All of that kind of tells me like when he's getting the ball, he's either moving it, but not really creating shots for others or he's shooting, right? So he's not, not really creating for others. And more likely, I think it's more, more of a, you know, if he gets it and he's open, he's taking the shot. Otherwise, He's not uh, not really creating for himself. He's not really creating for his other, for others. His self created twos are like a little bit more than average, but his self created threes is extremely low. And since half of his shot came from shots came from three, like essentially it's like catch and shoot. If he's open, he's going to shoot it. Um, if not, he's going to move it. But he's not really taking guys off the dribble that much. Um, similar guys uh, from a creation percentage are are players like Bojan. Bogdanovich, Anthony Davis, Kevin Knox, right? So uh, I think all of those dudes, especially as rookies, right, were, were kind of similar. Like they're probably not really taking dudes off, taking taking guys off the dribble. I think he's essentially like a scorer, right? He's, but let, let's take a look at the shot making, right? So to be considered a scorer, offensively at least, we need to make shots. So he had a 51% true shooting, which is not great. It's not a death knell. There, there's other guys. Um, that had low true shooting percentages as rookies that, you know, did, did fine or, you know, ended up having fine careers, but it is in the bottom, like 25% of my sample. Interestingly, he shoots pretty well at the rim, despite having an extremely low attempt rate at the rim. I assume that combined with combined with that low attempt rate kind of means that he's essentially taking like only uncontested or maybe transition layups and dunks and not like back to the basket post-ups and stuff like that. I'll be interested. I'm, I'll probably go to NBA.com and check out some of their play type statistics. But I imagine this is where, you know, if he's getting to the rim, it's it's those kinds of relatively uncontested, you know, layups and, and dunks. Um, speaking of dunks, so his dunk rate was pretty low. Like only uh, one out of every 20 of his buckets was a, was a dunk. Um, it's 5%. Uh, just to get some numbers on his shot making about 70, 70, 75% at the rim, which is, again, is actually extremely good. It's just, it just doesn't take any shots there. It's probably because, uh, he's not driving to the rim is just getting assisted, uh, when he's close or on cuts or maybe transition 40% from floater range, which is pretty good. Um, and only 30% from just above 30% from three, not great again. Some guys, it takes a little bit longer to adjust uh, to the NBA three-point line. So offensively, it's not a not really a great story uh, from a statistics standpoint. It's extremely similar to Justin Jackson's rookie season. And I, I, I guess I'll just say this. Like wings and bigs that take that many shots from three just don't typically become all-star. All-stars. In my sample, Paul George is the player with the highest percentage of his attempts taken from three during his rookie season that eventually became an all-star. And he took 35% of his shots from out there, whereas Jabari is up near 50%. So I, I would say like it just doesn't, at least so far, it doesn't look look to be any kind of like well-rounded offensive game or anything like that. But I think the appeal of Jabari um, 
is that maybe he could be like, say, a uh, Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr. type, right? A good defender who can block shots and take and make threes. Uh, but even even Triple J took more than twice as many shots in the paint, right? Either at the rim or from, you know, in the, like what, what some call the upper paint uh, from a distribution perspective as Jabari Smith did. So, like, let's look at what we can of his defense to see if he was kind of living up. Again, these aren't perfect, and and it's very easy for a guy that's not a great defender to end up with, like, say, high block rates or something. But eight rebounds per 36, less than 1% steal rate, which is which is pretty low, especially for a, even, even for a big, um, and a 3% block rate, which is good. N- not great, good. Similar guys in that and on those measures are, are people like Zach Collins and Darius Basley and even his teammate Kenyon Martin Jr. So like, you know, again, these are tough, but one thing we can say certainly is that he's he's not Triple J, he's not Evan Mobley in terms of like where he is as a shot blocker or a defender as a rookie. Like again, not a great story. Maybe it's the system or the organization in Houston. Maybe it's his own limitations, but as a rookie, it just doesn't seem to be on the level of any of the guys that I'd be very interested in in terms of buying their cards based on their rookie season. Um, the very next pick, the fourth pick, Keegan Murray, is probably one of the small handful of rookies who are actually contributing to winning this season. Uh, you know, he played 30 minutes a game on a on a team that uh, you know was the second second seed in the West and took the Warriors to seven games. Coming into the league, I think he was kind of thought of as a guy who like doesn't necessarily need the ball at all times to make an impact, and he kind of does the little things, etc. I think some of that actually bears down the numbers. Unlike Jabari Smith and unlike uh, Paolo Banquero, there is a player who is almost had an almost identical rookie season in almost all aspects, uh, and that is Cameron Johnson. And I think he had similar expectations coming in, right? Like he's expected to be a good, solid kind of NBA-ready player but not necessarily like a star. I think there's a little bit of uh, signs for optimism here in terms of Keegan, and I'll get to that. So shot location, there's actually four players that had extremely similar um, shot profiles from a location perspective and were also extreme outliers in my data set. Um, I talked about how Jabari was near 50% of his shots from three, but Keegan Murray took 64% of his field goal attempts from three-pointer, uh, from three-point range. In the last four draft classes, there's been exactly one player with similar shot profiles. That's 15 to 20% of their attempts at the rim, less than 10% of their attempts uh, from floater, and over 64 to 67% or so of his field goal attempts from three-point range. In 2019, again, that was Cam Johnson. In 2020, that was Sadiq Bey. In 2021, Trey Murphy. And in 2022, Keegan Murray. And these these guys are um, by far at the top of my entire sample in terms of three-point attempt rate. In terms of shot making, they all four of those guys actually had pretty similar, you know, 55 to 59% true shooting percentage, which is pretty decent, um, good even, especially for rookies. And I think that's due to all four of them. Actually, not only did they take a lot of threes, they made them at a at a high rate. So between 38 and 41 percent um, of three pointers made, three point percentage. Murray, um, though, was kind of the best of all of them. Really, from most most every shot location, like only Cam Johnson had a higher field goal percentage at the rim, but Keegan Murray is pretty close to that. 
Keegan Murray had the highest field goal percentage from floater range. That's at about 33%, which 33% uh, from out there isn't, isn't great. It's not terrible. I mean, I've seen guys down at, um, you know, 15 to 20%, right? So 33% is fine. You'd like to see that a little bit higher. And he's the only of these four that uh, were over 40% from, from three. But again, all of them, you know, 38, 39% or so. Maybe, though, that's because of the four, he was assisted on a higher percentage of his twos and a higher percentage of his threes, meaning that may- maybe he has more or had more c- catch-and-shoot opportunities than those other guys had. If I look at both shot location um, and shot making, Cam Johnson again, but even Sadiq Bey are extremely close. But also so are guys that I haven't talked about yet, like Lori Markinen and Mikael Bridges. And I think, so I think there's potential in these numbers, but in terms of creation, he, he also had the lowest assist rate of the four, um, the four main guys I'm comparison to similar usage rates. And we haven't really gotten to it yet, but he actually had better defensive numbers than all of them, including Cam Johnson and Sadiq Bay, who I think most thought of or most think of as a decent, uh, even good defender. Uh, but again, even in, in all of these like defensive categories, his closest comp again is Cam Johnson. So uh, again, extremely, extremely similar profile to Cam Johnson. Of the three that we've talked about so far, like easily the closest one-to-one comparison I was able to make. But I think there's some signs of being able to potentially do more. Like maybe if the Kings move on from Harrison Barnes, he'll get to take a more active role in getting a shot. And specifically, you know, getting into the paint. In fact... Harrison Barnes himself is actually another player who I haven't discussed whose rookie profile was pretty similar to Keegan Murray. All right, moving on to Benedict Mathurin. So the number six pick, I, I have him listed as a wing, which is why I'm talking about him today and not in the previous episode about guards. Like you might consider him a guard. And honestly, like what's the difference between the two? My categor- categorization is pretty subjective. Like I'm looking at size who a player likely guards or which which position they likely guard and what their offensive role is uh, and or who they share the court with. At six foot six, 210, according to basketball reference, they, they actually had him playing small forward 56% of the time and power forward 40% of the time. So for today's purpose, I'm listing him as, as a wing. I, I, or I, when I was talking about Paolo, I mentioned his usage and points per 36 were near the top of my sample. Zion and Joel Embiid were extreme outliers in terms of points per game or points per 36 around 29. I mean, those are, and when I say extreme outliers, like the, the next highest after those guys is Benedict Matherin um, with 21.3. So we're talking about some great, great players in my sample, uh, you know, 127. I've got Kevin Durant and, um, you know, all kinds of of other Jason Tatum's, all kinds of other All Stars, and um, you know all NBA type players, as well as you know a, a smattering of other guys as well. And other than Zion and Joel Embiid, Benedict Mathurin's points per 36, 21.3 was actually the third highest on the list. So broad brush, right? That's pretty. That's pretty good. Um, and the other guys that are up up there are solid players there there are people like blake griffin's rookie season marvin bagley's rookie season uh maybe less so on the solid part there but kevin durant carl anthony towns michael porter jr etc so you know it's like just without looking at any details of the data just broad 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 brush like that's a pretty good list to be on i think 
As an athletic wing, I'll start with his shot location. Matherin was pretty well-rounded, taking 29% of his shots at the rim, 26% from floater, and 34% from three. So uh, similar to Paolo, um, he's getting shots at the rim, he's getting shots in the lane, he's taking shots from deep. So 90, and, and in this case, 90% of his shots are from the paint or from three-point land with a, with a good distribution of, of each. Similar guys include like Jonathan Kaminga, um, who was the number seven pick the year before, right? 2021, uh, who took even now Kaminga actually took a few more of his shots near the rim, but overall, overall pretty similar. DeMontis Sabonis, which was a surprise to me, but you know, if you remember, he was kind of used like a stretch four in OKC, his rookie season, PJ Washington, Dylan Brooks, Patrick Williams, all of these guys had similar shot distribution. So the shot distribution itself, you know, I don't know if it tells us that much, but I think speaking in generalities, like it's a good, it's a good, well-rounded mix of shots that he's getting. But if I go a little further down the list of guys with similar shot profiles, you see names like Paul George, Joel Embiid, Brandon Ingram. I think that that's, again, another kind of good sign for Benedict, Benedict Matherin. In terms of shot making, at 56%, his true shooting, uh, he had a solid scoring season. So again, we talked about points for 36, pretty good. And true shooting, you know, 56%. It's not off the charts, but it's good. It's certainly not bad. At the rim, he was 62%, which uh, is probably actually below average, but it's not, again, also not bad. There's been, there's some guys that we're looking at, you know, that are in the fifties, but he was a solid 41% from floater range. So again, that's three to 10 feet and an okay, but definitely needs to be improved 32% from three. So similar guys here in terms of percentages by location are people like Mikal Bridges, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, and Marquise Chris. So when I combine the two, shot location and shot making, he's in line with guys like, again, Demonis Sabonis, which, you know, we, we can probably throw him out. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Franz Wagner, Paolo Banquero, Paul George, Chris Middleton. So I think these are a good list to be on. They're, they're good comps in terms of like, where are you getting your shots and how well are you making them when you take them? Uh, you know, again, I talked about Sabonis as an outlier here, but, you know, Franz, Paolo, these guys... These feel all right to me. Creation. So the big takeaways that I took from looking at his creation numbers, and again, I'm looking at assists, turnovers, usage, and self-created shots. So, you know, how many of his twos and threes were unassisted? Low assists, low turnover, high-ish usage, pretty high usage, Twenty, you know, 25% usage rate is pretty high, especially for a rookie, and a decent amount of self-created twos and threes. So like others we talked about, I, I honestly, I think this basically just means that he's not really creating chances for his teammates. Um, and when he gets the ball, he's looking to score. Maybe he's a little, a little bit more comfortable than others scoring off the dribble. So it's not, not strictly a catch and shoot guy, but, um, but yeah, you know, he's definitely either way. He's definitely looking to score when, when he has the ball guys with similar shot uh, similar creation profiles in their rookie seasons include Michael Porter Jr., Bobby Portis, Kyle Kuzma, Kaminga again, Harrison Barnes, and Jason Tatum. So again, you know, he looks like a scoring wing. From, from a card perspective, I think this is a good thing. 
defense, you know, I, I'll continue saying it, but you know, you can't take too much from defense, but I did look at it um, or I'm looking at very few defensive like metrics. And, you know, I think this is one area where, you know, advanced stats and stuff like probably could continue to improve, but five rebounds per 36, a less than 1% steal rate and a 0.4% block rate is extremely low. Um, which is interesting. You would think for like a, an athletic wing, uh, so like someone like Jonathan Kaminga, for instance, his block rate was 1.8%. So that's four times higher than, uh, than Matherin's. In fact, the only player in my entire sample with a lower block rate that I considered a wing or above, basically, is Doug, McDerm- Doug McDermott. So I don't think that's particularly a great list to be on. Other guys with similar kind of defensive profiles, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Hunter, now, you know, I can't really look at positioning or, you know, as in like, are the, is, is the player in the right spot or even things like contested shot percentage or field goal percent allowed, you know, at the rim or, or whatever. Like those are those are stats that some people have. Uh, they're not easily publicly available. Um, so I, I don't have any uh, super subscriptions or anything like that. But you know, he, he's certainly not out here setting the world in, on fire in terms of defensive impact metrics like blocks and steals. But given his athleticism, that you know, maybe there's some room to improve there. However, at 6'6", like if he's truly playing the three and the four, um, then, you know, he's giving up size probably against most of his opponents. So if I put it all together, I think there's some things that look like other all-star type of guys. Brandon Ingram, Paul George, Middleton, Jason Tatum. I think, you know, he's kind of in that mold, but then there are some other things that look more like good, but not necessarily all-star type of guys like Kyle Kuzma and Harrison Barnes. Um, Personally, I I think I probably look at him more in like the Kuzma Barnes range, but with athleticism, and maybe that's the big difference. Um, Certainly the potential is there from a card perspective. uh, You know, I think he's someone that is certainly worth a look. Um, so, so let's move then to Jeremy Sohan. So this is a player that I was really interested to look at. Like he's kind of a strange player statistically. He's got high assist rates, pretty poor shooting. He's not, even though I, you know, I think a lot of people thought of him as coming in and being like a defensive, I don't know if stopper is the right word, but you know, a, a, a strong defensive player. He's really not doing much in terms of rebounds, steals, and blocks. I mean, some more than Benedict Matherin for sure, but uh, it's not like he's out here like with astronomical steal rates or anything like that. I'm going to start here with creation with him. So he averaged three and a half assists per 36, but with a kind of a high turnover rate. Um, and, and In other words, like worse than average at 14%. So looking only at these and the self-created rates from twos and threes, which is kind of what I consider like creation, it was actually an interesting mix of players. Guys like Evan Mobley and Nikola Jokic and Bam Adebayo. I mean, all of these, all of those guys had significantly better overall rookie seasons and are better offensive players. Um, But their assist to turnover ratios were pretty similar and their creation was actually pretty, self-creation was actually pretty similar. Dario Saric was another. And I think it's interesting that all of these guys are centers, whereas like Soyan is really not. I don't think that's really a position that I'll ever really be playing. Maybe possibly, possibly in some 
you know, really, really small lineups. But unlike someone like Draymond Green, when I'll talk about kind of what he was kind of expected to be, but I think Draymond Green was a comp that we've heard a lot. Um, like he, he doesn't have that size. I mean, he might have the height, but not really the the heft, right, to potentially play the five, I don't think. In terms of strictly like per 36 outcomes, right, points, rebounds, assists per 36, 15, seven and a half, and three and a half, uh, it's nearly identical again to Scotty Barnes and pretty similar to guys like Rui Hachimura, Jabari Parker, etc. Like I, I, I personally don't think this tells us all that much. Um, so let's look at shot location and shot shot making. So he he takes some shots from three. Like 24 percent of his attempts were from three point range, um, but over sixty three percent of his shots came from the paint, including thirty five percent at the rim, uh, and twenty eight percent from from floater range. Like both of those are pretty high, pretty high, not, not astronomical, but pretty high numbers. Um, that's, that's a lot of, a lot of shots getting into the paint. Um, and they're similar to guys like Josh Jackson, Harrison Barnes, Paolo Banquero. Um, so in terms of where he's getting his shots, I think that's those, all three of those guys, Jackson, Barnes and, and Paolo are kind of in a similar mold, but are, were probably all with maybe the exception of Josh Jackson like more polished offensively than, than Soan is in terms of shot making 51% true shooting. Like that's not great. Um, 26% from three. That's not good at all. Um, but he was pretty decent in the paint, uh, basically average in terms of, uh, finishing at the rim and finishing from three to 10 feet. Again, Paolo is pretty, pretty close comps here as is Aaron Gordon, Kevin Durant. Like, I don't know if that actually says more about Jeremy Soan or Paolo Bencaro that they're that they actually have pretty similar shot making numbers. Um, but, but yeah, so Aaron Gordon, Kevin Durant, that sounds good, right? Uh, I think it probably just means that they maybe struggled offensively in their rookie seasons more than expected. It's also similar to guys like Justice Winslow, again Josh Jackson, and Tobias Harris. Um, Harris, I think probably obviously the best, the best of those three, but you know, Winslow and Josh Jackson, not great. Uh, probably don't want to be in lists, you know, being compared to those guys. I think defensively going again, like he definitely has the ability to be a good or even a great defender. It hasn't really shown up in terms of steals and blocks. Um, Denny Avdia was pretty close uh, in terms of rebounding steals and blocks in his rookie season. Like all in all, he's actually a really hard guy to comp, but Guys with rookie seasons uh, or rookie season statistical profiles that are most similar include, again, Tobias Harris. Like he was, he was similar to Tobias Harris, but with worse shot making and better distribution. Justice Winslow with actually more punch offensively. Uh, Winslow was like extremely low in terms of, you know, actual, actual scoring. He did a lot of other stuff, um, but he was just so, so bad offensively or from a scoring perspective. And then, also similar to guys who I've already mentioned already, like Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia, and Josh Jackson. I, I think he's probably in that range. Like that, those are the three guys that I'm kind of putting him next to. It's kind of an intriguing player. And all of those guys were kind of intriguing players. And I, I think it took a couple of years for really anyone to know what to make of them. I imagine that's the same thing we'll see for Jeremy Soan. So that's kind of where I'm looking at him at. I, I wonder if he can be like, uh, on in terms of basketball, if he can be like a defensive stalwart or something and a good distributor, even if he's not a great scorer, I think those those are that's a useful player, maybe even like a good player. 
Um, but you know, the shooting is basically a, a concern and I don't know, you know, without, this is definitely one of the areas where you need to watch the games, but like, you know, without really watching the games, I don't know what, what to make of his defense. Usman Jang, I, I won't spend much time on him, but as the 11th pick, like I think he's at least worth discussing. He's another guy who was up over 50% uh, of his field goal attempts, uh, attempts from three point range. Uh, when he did get to the lane, he finished very well, but he did absolutely nothing off the dribble, like nothing. So, I mean, 84% of his two-point makes were assisted. That's an extremely, extremely high number. I mean, he's not driving. I mean, those are like literally cuts, rolls, and you know layups and, and dunks, which probably explains why he finished so highly there. And since most of his shots came from three, I imagine... If they if they were defending him, they're probably defending further out the further out on the court. Shot making and shot taking, uh, pretty similar to guys that I've talked about already, like Justin Jackson, maybe Zaire Williams to to some extent. In terms of his output and shooting efficiency, more like Stanley Johnson and Torian Prince. You know, none of these names are really guys that you know I I think are uh, people that I'm I'm excited to potentially you know indicative of, of guys that i'm potentially excited to invest in so i couldn't really find any good superstar comps like so guys that have made like all stars and stuff like that i was really looking i didn't see much so at the moment i'm not even taking a flyer on on jing but you know there's always room to improve this none of this is in any way you know fully dispositive all right so next i want to talk about a trio of players who as luck would have it compared most favorably actually to each other. Uh, those were the 13th, 15th, and 22nd pick of the draft, Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, and Walker Kessler. All three are kind of true center type bigs, right? They don't shoot threes. They rebound extremely well. They score efficiently. They block shots and had relatively low usage rates. And this is in some ways a, di a divergence, right, from, from other center type players that have come into the league the last couple of years. You've got guys like Alfred Shangun and Isaiah Stewart and folks like that who either are like extremely skilled distributors or um, maybe a little bit undersized and stuff. And like, no, these guys are all true centers, true bigs. You know, I, I don't want to say back to the basket because that's not quite right, but you know, they're, they're stuck in the, not stuck. They're down in the low post, uh, you know, cleaning up, cleaning up misses, getting rebounds, deterring shots. And, and in fact, in terms of rebounding, of the 127 players in my sample, these three, Duran, Williams, and Kessler, were all top five in rebound rate, top 10 in true shooting, and in the case of Mark Williams and Walker Kessler, top 10 in block rate. And in terms of comps, like there's really not a ton that sticks out. I mean, it's pretty easy to think to... Like in your mind, I bet you probably even have some of the names of guys who kind of fit this mold. I mean, Rudy Gobert, Daniel Gafford to some extent, Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, but, you know, Gafford didn't rebound or doesn't rebound that at nearly as well as any of these guys. Willie Cauley-Stein like, didn't finish nearly as well as any of these guys. Mitchell Robinson, um, but with a little bit more stretch. So like Mitchell Robinson is pretty much only finishing lobs or cleaning up, uh, you know, offensive rebounds and scoring literally right near the basket dunks and, and putbacks and stuff like that. These, these guys all get into kind of the three to 10 foot range a little bit. 
maybe DeAndre Ayton, but with less distribution, Yusuf Nurkic, right? Like these type of players that we're talking about. Um, card wise, like it's, I think it's kind of tough to see any of them really becoming super relevant, but in terms of basketball, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about all of them as good to even very good sort of traditional centers as soon as next year. I mean, in the case of Williams and Duran, they weren't in the best environments this year. Kessler certainly was in a much better and like team environment. Um, but all of them, again, all of them finished well at the rim finished pretty well, even from three to 10 feet. So like good touch on not layups, but, but close to layups. And we're just solid NBA, true center type players. Historically, those guys like haven't done a lot uh, from like, from a card perspective, but I thought it was interesting to put them all together because their per 36 numbers and really their rates were extremely similar and and many of the main ones that you know I'm looking for, with the exception of things like assist rate or self-created shot rate or, or whatever, um, do the things that you would expect a true center to do. And, and they also have the size, the size as well. Um, so anyway, I, I put all three of those as solid NBA players, really good markers from a, from a basketball perspective, but a little less interested in their cards just based on their position, their size, maybe, maybe someone like Duran, who's kind of thought to have more athleticism than Kessler or Williams maybe could, uh, could transcend that. But anyway, good basketball players, not so much on cards, at least based on, you know, historically speaking. The next player I want to talk about is AJ Griffin, the 16th pick, uh, you know, was hurt a lot of the year. But you can almost cut and paste everything that I said about Jabari Smith Jr., except that he had a much lower load in Atlanta and that um, a much lower load in Atlanta than Jabari Smith had in, in Houston. So comps, if you go back a little bit, were guys like Chris Middleton, Sadiq Bey, Justin Jackson, Grant Williams. One of the things that really sets, sets all of these guys apart is just – a very high three-point attempt rate. So about 49% for A.J. Griffin. This is a relatively new phenomena. Most players, even guys that we think of as three-point shooters, especially for wings and forwards, um, until the last couple of years, did not shoot 45 to 50% of their shots from three-point range. Um, now, A.J. Griffin made it at a pretty good rate, 38%. He was extremely strong on floaters. Um, okay at the rim, 67%, but 57% from floater range is, is excellent, except that that only accounted for like 15% of his shots. Uh, I also thought it was interesting too, you know, comparing, comparing him to other rookie seasons was difficult for all the reasons I just explained. He had the lowest percentage of his shot attempts taken within three feet of any single player in my sample. So 127 players spanning 10 years or so. Um, I mean, I'll be interested to see if he can keep up his efficiency with his jump shooting, um, and potentially improve in other areas like getting to the rim, um, rebounding, assisting, like he didn't do much of that at, at really at all. Uh, but yeah, less than 10% of his shots were taken at the rim. That's just incredibly low. 
And I'm going to wrap it. I've got two other players, but really only one that I'm going to go deep into, and that's Tari Eason. So right after AJ Griffin was picked, Tari Eason was uh, taken by the Rockets. In my sample, right, I've got all of these metrics I'm pulling down from different sources. So, But then I put some kind of formulas together to help score these different aspects. And I, I try to stratify other similar players or at least other players in similar ranges according to these scores I'm putting together. And, and you've heard the categories I'm talking about, creation, shot location, shot making, um, you know, and, de- and defense. And then I've also got another for like the outcome related metrics, points, rebounds, assists. Um, the closest comparisons are often not all-star type players, right? Which makes sense, right? Because since most players are not all-stars. But just glancing at, at Tari Eason's like rank ordering of, among these different kind of categories and metrics and stuff that I'm aggregating, but also building. I see guys like Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Paul George. And, and there are some others who never really quite lived up to that bill. Uh, that are in this range too, or in his ranges too, like Marquise Chris and Bobby Porter became a, a decent to, to good NBA player. Tobias Harris, probably a good to at times above average player, um, etc. So just at first glance, I'm seeing more all-star names like in my in my kind of rankings than I have for most players that we've talked about so far today. Um, all right, so a few details real quick. Shot location. About 70% of his shots came in the paint. So that's, again, you know, 0 to 3 feet and 3 to 10 feet. I'm including all of that as, quote, in the paint. Similar similar guys from a shot location perspective were Keldon Johnson, R.J. Barrett, Kawhi Leonard. So definitely a guy who likes to get into the, get into the paint and, and score from there. In terms of shot making, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Andrew Wiggins, in truth, none of these guys actually finished particularly well at the rim, but were pretty good from everywhere else. And that's kind of what we saw from Tari Eason, too. He was only 62% at the rim, which is not great. It's not terrible, but it's certainly below average. 35% from you know that floater range or upper paint, and then 36% from three. Um so, you know, he's got some room to improve, especially with scoring efficiency. And I think, you know, scoring better at the rim will really help with that. But he was very, very strong in terms of steal and block rates. And that, that was in line with guys like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Herbert Jones, Draymond Green, etc. So at first glance, and I've mentioned several times that you can't take too much from these defensive metrics. And that's true. But I think people who are outliers tend to stay outliers, right? So even... Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, even though his his career in the NBA really didn't last that long, was always a good defensive player. Herb, Herb Jones, I think, is and has that capability. Um, his question is more about, you know, can he make shots? Draymond Green has been able to stay on the court in other ways in addition to his defense. But I think it, at least especially initially, primarily because of, because of his defense. So I'd definitely be considering Tari Eason if I find any amazing deals. He certainly seems like the kind of player that's most likely to be impactful defensively in real life and impactful offensively if he's able to develop and continue to develop to develop his scoring chops. Now, Malachi Branham is another player that I that I looked at. Um, his his measures didn't look 
all that great, right? So they they were fine, uh, and lots of them were fine. But uh, you know, for 15 points per 36, four rebounds, three assists. You know, very low rebound rate for a wing. You might cons- he handles the ball quite a bit. Um, and in fact, like 44 percent of his two pointers were self created, meaning he's probably getting to the rim a lot and drive uh, and driving a lot. But in truth, it's mostly actually three-pointers off the dribble where he took 43% of his shots from, from beyond the arc and made only 32% of those. So, you know, it doesn't rebound that well. Um, extremely low steal and block rates. True shooting at 53%, not great. Um, that's like Dylan Brooks range, right? DeAndre Hunter. Uh, guys who are can make shots, but really don't do it that efficiently and yeah so I, I didn't see much here that made me that made me excited so a few other guys i considered looking at were folks like david roddy marjan bochamp christian coloco jalen williams there's not a lot that really sticks out for most of these guys like uh you know jalen williams is actually a pretty decent the jalen with a y williams the the more forward type jalen williams you know, pretty decent rebounder, um, decent true shooting too. He actually made made forty two percent of his threes, but again, like several other of these guys, took forty five percent of his shots from three. And there's just not a lot of historical um, c- comparisons for forwards that shoot that many three pointers. Um, it's it's and I know that's a function of the game today, but it's almost like the extreme version of a three and D, except that. I don't know that there's that much D there with, with Jalen Williams. Certainly like not a big block or steal guy. Um, Christian Coloco is a bl- big blocks guy, but doesn't do much else. And and certainly away from the rim, uh, had an extremely poor showing shooting. And even at the rim, not great. So, you know, he, he blocks, doesn't rebound that well. I mean, he's he got he's fine in terms of rebounding. But for a center, like eight rebounds per 36, you know, a tw- 12% rebound rate is adequate, I guess I would say. David Roddy, Marjan Beauchamp, uh, not a lot to speak of that's really that remarkable um, for these players, at least not based on what we know. And for all of these guys, I mean, we're talking like 13, 14 minutes a game, 15, 16. So not, not, it's not like they're out there getting a ton of playing time or anything like that. I just thought it was worth mentioning as they were kind of the end of the first round or the early, early second round guys who at least did get on the court some this year but yeah with that we'll wrap it up all right so only looking at wings forwards and bigs i think there's several notable names that you know i'd even be considering or, or probably maybe seven to ten that I'd, I'd even be considering so let me let me talk through them from a card perspective paolo right like I think the big question is essentially, can he be like a, a Kevin Durant type or or something like that? Like maybe he's more of a power forward than Durant really ever was, despite his height. But I think like the way that the way that he was getting his shots and stuff was pretty similar. I, I think it's possible, but I'm not sure. Right? That's that's a pretty high bar. With his Prism Silver around a hundred dollars and his Contenders Rookie Ticket Auto at over six hundred dollars. While it's possible that they go up if he becomes a, an All NBA or Hall of Fame type of player, like I, I think his median outcome is actually probably closer than anyone else in this class to that that level of player. 
I just think at that at that price, there's some other players I'd rather take a shot on with my money. Chet Holmgren, you know, I didn't talk about him at all because he didn't play. This is a statistical analysis. Your guess is as good as mine. I'm not a scout. You know, I'm not trying to to do that. That's that's not what I what I know. Benedict Matherin, I think the big question there is like, is he more of a Paul George type or maybe more like a, a Kyle Kuzma or Harrison Barnes? Like all are good players. And at 24% of Paolo's prices, like I'm not sure that I'm there, but I think he's got a shot for sure. And I, I wouldn't fault anyone for taking a shot on his cards. I, I did find some wide variance on it when I was looking at comps and everything. I did find some wide variance on his cards. So it may be that there are opportunities out there to be to be getting in uh, for cheap. I, I don't know if that'll be something I'm looking at in the summer. It, it might be. It might be. Matherin's a maybe for me. Keegan Murray. So with apologies to my friend John, Istanbul Cards. Uh, I hope he turns into an amazing player. It's pretty clear he's going to be a good player. But most of the comps I found were guys who were like solid but not all-star type players. I actually do think because of his, his advanced production as a rookie, there probably will be a time when his cards do bump. So especially if the Kings, like let's say they move on from Harrison Barnes this offseason, right? And open up more of a offensive role for, for Keegan Murray. I, I don't know if that bump would be the offseason or maybe it'd be even better to look into, you know, early part of next season when if he gets off to a strong start or something. Like I do think that there is an opportunity, probably will be an opportunity to sell higher on Keegan Murray, but I don't think I'd be buying to hold long term. So again, you know, I'm I might be looking for some, but I'll probably be passing and just trying to put my money into more low cost but aggressive players. Jabari Smith Jr. and Jeremy Sohan. I'm actually really interested in in each player's career, but not at their current prices and not based on what I saw in relation to their like rookie season comparisons. Jalen Duran, Walker Kessler, Mark Williams, like are they bringing back the true center? Maybe. Like I know I wish I had a player like that on my team, the Mavericks, uh, who has like the potential to kind of control the paint defensively, suck up rebounds, and score efficiently around the basket. But given the history of these types of centers and cards, unless they become like, let's say Shaq, right? Um, and and even recent history of centers that do decently to to good in cards like Jokic and Embiid, like these are these are different types of centers than um than Duran, Kessler, and Walker. Like Embiid maybe maybe closer, but even he will score off the dribble and take threes, right, and draw fouls and do some of, some of the things that aren't typical um, true center things. So I, I think it's probably just not a good place to park my money, but I've already, I've already mentioned, like, I think all of them had great seasons and could be really solid players going forward. A few other players, Ochai Agbaji, uh, AJ Griffin, Malachi Branham, like, there's nothing here for me. I think some people will take a shot on them, and, you know, it, it could work out, but it's not something I just... It's just not something that that's really for me. Tari Eason. So I'm not sure if he'll ever get there, to be clear. It's unlikely that he ever does. However, compared to Paolo, like I think Paolo is far more likely to be that guy than Eason, and even by a lot. But Paolo's prices are something like 40 times that of Tari Eason's. When you consider injuries and the his and you know, a history of top picks becoming or not becoming all NBA type guys, like et cetera. Like that that differential, you know, 40 times more expensive for Paolo than Tari Eason, based on what I saw in this in the statistical analysis and comparisons, doesn't make any sense to me. 
So this is this is the big one that I'm taking away from today's episode. Uh, and I'm looking hard at and might even put a few bucks into in the summer. I mean, five to six bucks for Prism Silvers, 15 to 20 for rookie ticket autos. Like, yeah, I'm willing to give that a shot, especially if I can find some interesting, less liquid, low pop cards for a great price. And since I went ahead and updated the, the card data, let me let me go back to what I said a couple weeks ago about the guards and just kind of give some updates there. So Shaden Sharp's currently sitting at one third of Paolo's prices. He has a lot of potential, um, but is also the kind of the third highest cost player of the class. He's surpassed uh, Jade Nivey and Benedict Matherin and so on to being the third highest cost player as of today. He also, from a game perspective, has a long way to go. Like, while I'd love to have some of his stuff, I don't really see myself paying his prices. Um, but he's got, you know, pretty pretty high potential, I think. So, like, I don't really expect it to fall much this this summer either, uh, as he seems to be the exact type of, like, high potential player that the hobby loves. You know, maybe after season three or four, it will really be the right time. Uh, Jade Nivey uh, has an interesting build as like kind of a powerful point guard, but as the fourth highest cost player of the class, I think I'm I'm passing here as well. Jalen Williams, I could have easily talked about him in the the Wings episode today, uh, and I've loved his game since I saw him live in early November, um, like an early game in the season. Even then, I don't think I saw him as a superstar in the making, but I absolutely believe that he's like a winning player and could be an asset on even a great team. For instance, I could see him being like a potential starter on a championship level team. I just don't think I see him as like the second or third star on that team. Jaden Hardy, as a Mavs fan, like a lot of his numbers were really strong. He was one of the lone bright spots of the season, but with Luka and presumably Kyrie ahead of him, like it doesn't seem like he'll have a huge role um, going into next year or, or next year or two. And he's the eighth highest cost player in the class despite being the 37th pick. Um, his rookie ticket auto is around 90 bucks. Like if I came up with something cool in a break or something like that, I'd be pretty pumped. But I can't imagine myself spending, you know, $90 on an auto of his, especially if he's not likely to have a huge role, you know, in the next couple of years. However, if he loses, starts to lose some steam next season, right? When the new draft class comes and let's say maybe he even gets bumped again to G league or something like that. Like, I don't think that's a death knell. Like I might be looking to jump on it then if he's, if, it, if his cards start to, to dive a little bit, but at the current prices, I'm not looking there at the time. I thought Andrew Nimhard was kind of a Jalen Brunson type and he's cheap. He's super cheap. Like, like of all the players I looked at, he's got the cheapest, you know, average cost guard forward, big, doesn't matter. Like he's, he's very, very cheap. It just doesn't seem like it's really worth tying up that money for that amount of time that it would take for him maybe to pop like assuming he ever even does i'd just rather put that into like say taris and uh if i were to take a flyer anyway i hope you enjoyed this i'm uh, headed off for a vacation so enjoy thanks for listening